You're listening to Comedy Central. July 25th, 2018. From Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, this is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. be talking about the film he wrote and directed called Eighth Grade. But first, let's catch up on today's headlines. Whoosh. You know how, um, <laughs> some people say they love Drake so much that they would die for him? Well, it turns out they're telling the truth. It's the viral dance challenge set to Drake's song, In My Feelings. It is completely taken over social media. Everyone seems to be doing it. But the way some people are letting those feelings out is drawing the attention of safety officials. The videos show passengers and even drivers jumping out of moving cars to dance on streets and highways. And in some cases, the results aren't pretty. Oh, man. And you know, people are so crazy that they're gonna be scraping that girl off the pavement and she'll be going, did they get the retweets? <laughs> Click to subscribe. Like, I'm sorry, man, going viral has gotten way too difficult. Like, I remember back in the day, you could go viral for getting all your friends into a phone booth. You remember that, yeah? <laughs> remember planking? <laughs> it was like, wow, you're not moving? Two million likes. <laughs> now to go viral, you gotta eat laundry detergent. <laughs> set yourself on fire or dance on the freeway after jumping out of your moving car. Like, pretty soon, if you want to go viral, you're gonna have to be like Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible. Ah, Scientology. All right. <laughs> Let's move on. In other news, in other news, Serena Williams is charging discrimination after learning that the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency has given her twice as many random drug tests as any other female pro tennis player. Yeah. Testing her more than five times this year alone, which is a lot. Basically, she's gonna need a new Gatorade sponsorship just to stay hydrated for the drug test that she's taken. (laughs) And Serena does so many tests, she doesn't even have to bring the sample to the lab anymore. The second she fills a cup, a ball boy just runs out and grabs it. They just run away with it. I will say this, though. What I love about Serena Williams is she's such an innate champion that she's even the best at drug tests. You realize she's never failed a single drug test. Yeah. She's the Serena Williams of drug tests. The greatest of all time. Oh, also in the news today, there's trouble in the paradise that is Donald and Melania Trump's marriage. The New York Times says Melania Trump infuriated her husband during their recent overseas trip when he noticed her TV on Air Force One was tuned to CNN. On his flight to Helsinki, the president blew up when he found the first lady watching CNN instead of Fox on Air Force One. The president reportedly raged at his staff, according to the Times, for violating a rule that the airplane's television should remain tuned to Fox. Violating a rule, wow. I know Trump's not a fan of a woman's right to choose, but this is ridiculous, I mean. (laughs) Like, he was, he was furious because he found out Melania was watching CNN instead of Fox, which, when you think about it, is probably her way of cheating on him, you know? <laughs> she, was, 
She was probably like, that's right, husband. I've been secretly seeing a black man, Don Lemon. But, but let's be honest. If there's one person who can't be mad at their spouse for doing things behind their back, it's the commander in cheat, which brings us to our main story. Look, we've known for a long time that President Trump once had an affair with Playboy Playmates Karen McDougal. But yesterday, we learned more about the conspiracy to keep this affair quiet, thanks to Michael Cohen, Trump's former attorney and Soprano's background actor. <laughs> you didn't even notice him in the picture, do you? <laughs> because, you see, it turns out, like so many Sopranos characters, Cohen was wearing a wire. This is a secret recording provided by Michael Cohen's lawyer. Cohen and then-candidate Donald Trump discussing paying for former playmate Karen McDougal's story of an alleged affair that President Trump denies. When it comes time for the financing, which will be... What financing? We'll have to pay you, so... No, 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 I got... No, no, no. Just sordid and embarrassing that the President of the United States is on tapes talking about how how payoffs work and what he's gonna do and all of that, it just, it's cringe-inducing. Cringe-inducing? I can't believe this guy has any cringes left. <laughs> yeah, I ran out of cringes back on the Muslim ban. Are you serious? And, and just so we're clear on what this is, this tape is about hush money for Trump's Playmates affair, all right? Not the porn star affair, <laughs> which are separate affairs. And all of that is also completely different from the whole Russia affair, <laughs> right? Maybe that's why Trump always tweets witch hunt. Like, maybe he's asking, wait, which hunt is this again? <laughs> which hunt is this, folks? I don't know. So many hunts. So many hunts. And just a little side note. It is a little weird that we know so much about where the president has put his d Can we acknowledge that? That's not normal. Like, think about it. Think about it. In all of American history, it's only Trump, Clinton, and Lincoln. And yes, I said Lincoln, because you know at some point Abraham put it in that big sexy hat. You know he did. <laughs> at some point he was like, well, I won the Civil War, now daddy get some stovepipe time. <laughs> now, please, remember, remember this. An affair with a playmate isn't illegal. Neither is paying hush money, neither is having your campaign spokesperson lie about it. The issue here is whether by paying off the Playboy model shortly before election day, Trump and the world's worst lawyer made an unreported campaign contribution, which would be illegal. And on this tape, it's a little unclear. Like, we do hear Trump say the word cash, and then Cohen says, no, 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 but that could mean anything. Like, was he saying no, no, no to a cash payment, or was Trump trying to put his fingers in the electrical sockets again? We don't know. <laughs> Yeah, he's like, no, 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 Mr. President, not in the buzz buzz place, not in the buzz buzz. <laughs> now, although some people believe that this tape proves Trump's guilt, according to the world's second worst lawyer, it actually proves Trump's innocence. Giuliani telling NBC News, the tape shows there was nothing criminal about the conversation and he insists no payment ever occurred. So are you still maintaining then tonight that the recording that was released this evening is 100% exculpatory toward the president. There's no indication of any crime being committed on this state, and that is absolutely right. I don't think anyone can suggest that this represents anything where the president did anything wrong. I love that the secret Playboy affair hush money tape is the evidence to help Trump. Yeah. 
I mean, it can, but you have to admit, it'll probably make an awkward dinner with Melania. And I was just like, great news, honey. The tape about my second mistress totally gets me off the hook. <laughs> like, wow, everything coming up, Melania. <laughs> and honestly, honestly, I agree with Rudy Giuliani here. Right? And not with his decision to surgically replace his teeth with horse teeth. No, <laughs> I agree. I agree that none of the stuff on this tape is impeachable. It's embarrassing and scandalous, but it's not criminal. But all legal questions aside, there's one part of the tape that does come through crystal clear. Donald Trump apparently completely unaware he's being taped asking for refreshments. So we got served from the New York Times, I told you this, we were regarding to unseal the divorce papers with Ivana. Um, we're fighting it. Caswitz uh, is going to... never be able to get that. Never, never. Caswitz doesn't don't ever be able. They don't have a... Give me a couplet. <laughs> now that is shocking. I never thought I'd hear Donald Trump say the word, please. And to be honest, I feel a little bit bad for Coke because this is not the product placement they were hoping for. <laughs> All right? But you know what I thought of? If people are gonna secretly record Trump and then play his tapes to the world, he may as well benefit, right? Because Trump is always looking for new ways to make money. He should just start slipping endorsements into all of his private conversations. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? It would work a lot better than you think. Mr. Trump, there'll be no record of you working with the Russians. Terrific. Can you get me a Coke Zero? Zero calories for zero collusion. <laughs> Stormy Daniels is demanding 100K to keep quiet. Payer, because I just saved a boatload on car insurance by switching to Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance by switching to Geico. Mr. President, the cash payment went through, so we're all good. Well, nothing's as good as the number one comedy in America. Mamma Mia, here we go again. Now that's smart business. We'll be right back. So my guest tonight is a comedian who wrote and directed his first feature film, Eighth Grade. Please welcome Bo Burnham. Thank you. Welcome to the show, Bo Burnham. Happy to be here, Trevor. This is so good to have you, man. Um, your journey has been one that I, I have watched and enjoyed from afar for a very long time. Mm. And then I met you in the comedy scene, but Bo Burnham, for so many people, was one of the first, quote unquote, internet sensations. Yeah, Bo, Bo Burnham for most people was who, but yes. Um, <laughs> for some people, I was an, an internet sensation, which is a term I love. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> A sensation. So, so, so here you are as Bo Burnham. You are this savant and this comedy genius, like music and comedy and making everything. And then you, yeah. you step out into, into the, onto the stage, mm. you know. And what really intrigued me is when you talk about the stories of how uncomfortable you were in a space where you seemed completely comfortable. Yeah, I mean, I was having panic attacks on stage uh, regularly, which is uh, chill. 
Um, and yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I would talk about my specific anxieties of being on stage performing, thinking that they were specific to what I was at the time, a 25-year-old right. male comedian with an audience. And I would do my shows and talk about that, and 13-year-old girls would come up to me after and say, I feel exactly like you do. And I'd go, what? <laughs> no, but truly. So you know, if there was a bridge I had to walk right. to uh, make this movie, it was built by them to me. I felt understood by eighth grade girls before. People, <laughs> truly, truly, people always said like, ah, he's just a comedian for eighth grade girls. And at a certain point I was like, hell yeah I am. And I made a movie. Yeah, but you know what's great is that, is that it, genuinely you made a movie that like seems like it's so specific and yet I feel like it speaks to everything that most people go through in life. And yeah. you look at this movie, you, you have a fantastic story about a young girl who's going through her final week of eighth grade. Mm. And it's also about the impact of social media on her life. Did, like, did you find parallels between your life and the story that, that we're told of her life in this film? Yeah, I, I just set out to talk about how I was feeling, and then I found out I was feeling like an eighth grader. Truly, I feel like usually this, there's a sort of crappy narrative that the only stories about the human condition are about some, like, poet in the woods or some dude with a sword. Why can't it be about, you know, a girl walking into a pool party? Why can't everyone see themselves in right. her in the way we usually do for older male characters. You have been part of internet culture for yeah. a longer time than many people. You've been intrinsically connected to it for a long time. Yeah. Do you, like, do you see that? Is that what you put in the movie? Because there are parts in the movie where I'm watching it and I'm going, yeah, we do that. We, we want to be seen by people like in the not real world, yes. but the people in the real world are trying to have conversations with us and we don't care. We're all, we're all doing this thing, trying to see where the likes come from. Right. Is, is that something you've experienced? Is that why you put that in the movie? Yeah, I mean, my, my impulse really was the more I engaged with the internet, the less authority I felt I had over it. And, and there's so much commentary about the internet. There's so many people getting up and talking about like cyberbullying and Russia, you know what I mean? And there's a subtler conversation to be had, which is like, how is it interfacing with our hearts? Um, I didn't want to have the sort of finger wagging movie. There's a lot right. of movies that seem like they're, you know, they try to like shove the internet into it where it feels like a Taco Bell commercial where it's like, hashtag Chalupa, you know what I mean? <laughs> and it's like, it's like, can you, can you talk about, can you talk about, should I not say that? Taco Bell's great. Um, uh, <laughs> no, but I just wanted to, t there's, there's so much commentary about the internet. There's not a lot of description of it. And just like, I feel like we're all in it. And, and in, in, in 20 years, when the kids in my movie become social scientists, I'll be very curious to hear what right, they have to right, say right. about it. But until then, it's like, we just need to take emotional inventory because I don't think we've even, even like begun to describe what the internet is, let alone be able to talk about it. Some 50-year-old dusty dude telling me about like, you know, social trends. I'm like, I just uh, stop it. If you were to try and sum up the feeling of the movie in, in, in a short soundbite, what, what would you hope it would be? What would, what would you want people to walk away from after watching eighth grade? I hope it feels like eighth grade, which eighth grade is horrible and strange and weird and my body is exploding and help me and woohoo, you know? So that's what I hope the movie feels like. Eighth grade feels like right now, which is scary and weird and funny and sad. So uh, yeah, I hope, I hope people just feel, I don't, you know. Feel. Feel. Woohoo. <laughs> Chalupa, baby. <laughs> thank you, Trevor. Dude, Appreciate thank you so much for being on the show. Eighth grade is in select cities now. You really want to go watch this movie? It'll be in theaters nationwide August 3rd. Bo Burnham, everybody. <laughs>